So I think a lot about especially our concurrent enrollment models and we're serving a lot of high school students and are there ways that we can be more creative with land use and space and combining high schools and community colleges, particularly in rural areas. Would that work in your community? I mean, it's about being innovative. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This episode of In the Know features the question and answer section from the presentation Ji Hang Lee and Casey Sachs gave about ACCT's Strengthening Rural Community College Initiative, supported by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I would recommend listening to part one first, then following up with this episode. Both are posted at the same time. Thank you very much. My name is Reza Jafari. I'm a trustee of Chesapeake College uh, that serves five counties in the eastern shore of Maryland. A couple of very quick points, and I don't want to take too, too, too much of the time of this very, very important meeting. First of all, thank you very much to our chair of the ACCT, who's coming from the rural community, Department of Education, and to, to, to you, Mr. Lee, because again, this is a very, very important topic that you're embarking upon. I, on my day job, I used to be the, the group president of Hewlett Packard, a small technology company in the neighborhood you probably have heard of. And I used to advise Secretary General of the United Nations, Mr. Ban Ki-moon, on an area that you're talking about, education, women's health, and working in other parts of the world. As a matter of fact, I have a wonderful relationship with Bill and Melinda Gates personally, as well as the foundation. So this is an absolutely right place to go. My question and the recommendation somehow is, we need to create an ecosystem. All of us sitting in this room, whether it's 260 or 264, I don't know the rest of them, I don't know whether Chesapeake made it there or not, we are facing many of the challenges that you mentioned. But now we need to reimagine how we're going to, to do our work as community college, especially in the rural areas. Collaborative innovation and transformation is going to be the name of the game for us to work together. Is there anything that you can do or, or you're doing or is part of the plan that is going to promote our public-private partnership, that happened to be, I guess, one of the examples, for us to be able to get the state legislators and policymakers to work with our business communities in the, in the state, and for that matter, all over the world. There are many philanthropic organizations, as you know, they would love to help, but they don't know where to go, how to do it, but they're ready and willing to, to help us out. So my question, comment to you is, is there something in that regard that you already established or anything we can do to foster that process? Thank you. Uh, so, yes, thank you for your comments. Uh, I think the ecosystem model that I, that, you know, the wheel that I mentioned is exactly what we're looking for. If there are programs or things that your institutions have done, we're looking for those as um, examples. Um, but yes, in order for us to get these policy recommendations to the final point, it will be about many of the things that you just mentioned, uh, because we do need to reimagine how our, our communities look like, you know, what the, the business partners and the other things. So, Joe. Joe Garcia, Colorado Community College System. I know Dr. Sachs is very familiar with Colorado. You know, we have from some very small rural community colleges, uh, and we're struggling. Uh, as you know, you could guess, as you said, it's hard to have a sustainable business model when you only have a few hundred students, and you, yet you need a full complement of faculty members and programs. And as you do that, you sign people up in classes where there's only two or three students, if you if you're lucky. And yet the communities, gee, as you said, it's you know, our ability to be successful turns on the ability of the community to be successful, but throughout the country we've seen rural communities that are 
decreasing in size. They, you know, we've seen, as we looked at the communities we serve, high school class graduating classes that are less than half of what they were 20 years ago. And yet the communities are demanding more from us because they see the college as kind of the last economic engine for those communities. And so it's a long way of saying I'm still very concerned, as are all of you, about sustainability. But it's not higher education that will be able to do it. We need other help to rebuild uh, rural communities. Now, how do we create, for example, access uh, to high-speed internet that so many of our communities lack? Transportation that so many of our communities you know, lack good roads. They can't move their products to the extent they have products to market. And so it's a long way of saying we want more federal help in helping to rebuild those communities, and not just from DOE, uh, but really all those other departments because the states can't do it and what we end up doing is just investing more money to keep the doors open on a school that's serving very few students and training graduates for jobs that don't exist. Casey, thank you for coming. Jihan, good to see you again good and thank you. you for your work on this, uh, this, this grant. Uh, Doug Houston, the chancellor of the Yuba Community College District, uh, we serve, we have campuses in five rural counties in Northern California, and I think most of my colleagues in the state have recognized me for over a decade as the voice of rural colleges in California. So um, I welcome this, uh, and I look forward to partnering with ACCT and, and our local associations in California on this work. Um, one comment and one question. Uh, the comment is, and I appreciate Jihang you acknowledging earlier, the definitional challenge of rural. Um, so I hope we can at least open up and consider rural serving as well as rural colleges. If we can't beat the IPEDS definition of the community size for rural, let's at least recognize that the, the communities that those rural serving colleges serve are still impacted by transportation and broadband and all of the other services that you've described. Uh, and then the second is a question. Have you considered, have you reached out yet to the Rural Community College Alliance? Um, and uh, you know, they, certainly they can be a, a partner in collecting additional information over and above the five state uh, convenings you're going to hold. Yes, uh, after this meeting we'll be reaching out to Randy and uh, to, uh, having a conversation with them about Great. how they can help. Uh, and just to go back to um, the definitional thing, uh, AAC, uh, AACC's uh, uh, Rural and Small College Commission has invited us to participate, come to their commission meeting in the fall and do a presentation and we're gonna, we're gonna take some guidance from them all on the definitional issues that we have that are confronting us. Because we do know many of our institutions, their service, you know, Connie's for an example, uh, Connie's on the western side of the state, obviously Iowa Western, um, but they have, you know, some communities that are very rural, very, very rural, and then some that are not as rural. And how do you, deal with issues where you might not have a campus in your rural county that is a service area, um, but they have to drive 70 miles. Should they be considered to be a rural institution? How do you uh, assist, uh, you know, or how do you even do a better definition uh, so that we do know um, the institutions that are actually serving rural communities, so. Thank you. Good morning, my name's Brenda Little. I'm a trustee with uh, Laramie County Community College in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, one of the topics that we are discussing in Wyoming is destination programming for our community colleges. 
because we have some great outdoor activities. We have fresh water, fresh air. So perhaps um, one answer to some of our enrollment and funding issues could be some destination programming. Um, Ji, you just made a comment too about how in rural, rural communities there is a lack of health care, which of course our community college turns out nurses and, and um, technical assistants all the time. So is there a way that you can connect in your studies about rural community colleges connecting destination programming and maybe do some kind of study of how destination programming could help with the community part of community colleges so that a community college can serve the community and become more valuable to that community because of destination programming. Is that something you would consider at all? Thank you. Uh, so I would just say that we might need some additional information uh, about like those type of programs and see how that would dovetail in. Um, I would say that um, I had mentioned healthcare because uh, the issues of uh, rural hospitals is unique and it is the, the, the situation is not getting better. Um, and for an example, I just watched uh, an NBC Nightly News special uh, highlighting the fact that Wisconsin rural farming communities have some of the highest suicide rates. And so it is, um, it is something that we were kind of trying to monitor, but we're happy to have a conversation to see what, what you're doing and see if it has a connection and something that we can uh, put in our report. Yes, Ryan. Thank you both for being here. My name is Ryan Karstens, president at Rudoso, ENMU Rudoso, which is a resort town in southern New Mexico. So we have the same idea about doing a destination college things. I serve on the board at the RCCA, and I'm also part of the Rural Community College small and rural college commission at AACC. I know we have another gentleman over here that's part of that group and we may have others. Joe Schaefer from Cheyenne is part of that commission. I can tell you in both the commission on the AACC side and as well as RCCA, we do discuss this definition of rurality or rural. We've had some folks come in to some of the meetings to speak on that. It's a very complicated uh, policy kind of change because of the federal level of stat, uh, you know, legislative and funding is based on all these uh, definitions, and so it's been a multi-year discussion about the definition of rural. So that was obviously a good one to have on the list. One of the things that I wanted to bring up is um, the the conversation that happens in, in the states where I've worked has to do with. Uh, one, the broad one, whether you're rural or urban, the, the concept that college is a public good versus a private good. And that's an especially important one. But then in the rural side, what I've experienced in New Mexico, where we have probably a majority of our community colleges or small colleges, uh, with the exception of Santa Fe or Albuquerque, maybe Las Cruces, we have eight or nine other colleges all in these smaller towns. And the debate, I think, is uh, a policy debate uh, that if we could use this avenue to um, encourage all of our states to call the question, so to speak, do we as a state consider that every citizen in our state, no matter where they live, has equal access to the opportunity of a community college? And usually when in our states, or at least where I've worked, uh, the funding formulas 
go toward the big beasts, and it's and it makes sense. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, economy of scale, and they get lost in this idea that other people matter in the state. And it's I don't know that they think that. I think they just think about what's in front of them. But I think there's a real policy discussion about whether we want to have equity and access. And I don't know how you define it. It could be number of uh, students or number of people per square mile, and that becomes a funding thing, you know, because miles and distance and, and uh, infrastructure are, are, matter, are things that matter. Our fiber, our other infrastructure needs that you've heard about already this morning are out there, and community building, I think you're referring to that. Uh, but in this broader sense, do we as states and can each state exist, you know, say that? Years ago when I was at Dallas, which is not necessarily a rural college, I was very <laughs> impressed with what the board did. In the 60s, the board, if any of you uh, were part of this way back when, the, they set aside a policy early on in their college district that they were going to have a college 15 minutes from everybody in Dallas County. And that policy steered the development of those colleges and centers and campuses. So that was a policy thing. And I would hope that that's something we can look at. Can states actually be pushed to set some kind of policy that, that actually describes that we care about access and whatever that is, you know, 20 minutes or whatever miles. And that might help us. You saw that in West Virginia. Now, maybe it didn't become a policy, and you're, you, you talked about band-aiding it, but it was in their heart. They couldn't just close that. They had to find some way to, to keep it open because those people needed access. And our students are the ones that can't move to Albuquerque. You know, they can't just pick it up and, and go somewhere to get the education because they don't want to provide it in the, in the rural areas. And so, I've, at least that's what I've experienced. That's a big one to talk about. Um, I'm going to say something about that last point and then Casey's going to follow up. Um, one of our target states is North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina essentially has community colleges within 30 mile, a 30 minute drive of another institution. But that also presents another problem in that many of those community colleges are a certain size and can't, they don't grow or they might decline. Uh, they obviously have big institutions like uh, Guilford and Wake Tech, but many of their community colleges are 2,000, 3,000 students. That poses another complication because, you know, then North Carolina is dealing with consolidation conversations. So we will be talking about North Carolina because they are different than Texas, California, where, you, you know, you might have to drive a, lot, or a long time to get to a community college, you know, a couple hours worth. Um, so, yes, that is something that we're going to be looking to look at. I have two things to follow up from Ryan's comments. So the first is, um, could we just concede that we don't like the definition and then move on to other ideas? That would be amazing. Like, I'll just concede that right now. We don't like the definition of rural. And like, if you have a good one, awesome, propose that. But like, let's not get hung up there because it's not particularly constructive as we start to think about what we need moving forward. We just don't like it, and that's fine. Um, beyond that, I would start to question this idea, and there's a lot smarter people in this room than I am, so I'm asking for your help here. Um, when we start thinking, you, you had two really interesting points, and they were about equality and equity, and I want to make sure that we don't get these things confused. And I think about um, if I'm trying to get my three nieces in the car, one of them's two, 
One of them's 13 and one of them's 16. And if we're going somewhere in the morning, those three kids need three really different things to all get in the car. The two-year-old's throwing a temper tantrum, the 13-year-old won't shut up, and the 16-year-old won't get out of bed. And if I give them all a cup of coffee, coffee, which would be equality, I gave them all the same thing, I'm only getting the 16-year-old in the car. So equity is really about giving them what they need to be able to get in the car, to be able to, to have the experience that I want them to have. So this is gonna be true across all groups of students who we're serving. It doesn't matter if we're talking about how do we get more women in STEM fields or how do we serve our first generation students. If we're talking about how do we serve our rural communities within our states, I'm honestly looking for suggestions about not so much what's equal. So I'm less concerned that we all can drive 30 minutes and get to a school. I'm way more interested in what's equitable and what is that gonna take for our rural communities to have equitable access to higher education. Um, and I'm truly asking you for your feedback about what that means for our communities because I certainly don't have it solved by myself. Thank you. My name's Bill Holda. I was uh, president of Kilgore College for 20 years and then retired and have been doing ACCT searches and board training. And I have two, two comments. One is we naturally associate community colleges with economic development. But you talk to people who really understand economic development and they will tell you that community development precedes economic development. So I think one area of real exploration is to try to figure out what is the role that community colleges can play in community development, not simply looking at which jobs can we create that create a more empowered workforce. So, and that's a very broad subject when you talk about community development. Second of all, there are times where state policy changes that appear to be equal actually do create equity. So I'll give you an example. For many, many, many years, Texas had a contact hour funding formula system that was basically built on volume. And so the small rural colleges could not compete in their piece of the pie as the urban colleges began to have all that growth, whether it was Dallas or Tarrant or Lone Star or Houston, take your pick. We did have for many years a small college supplement, but we had trouble defining it, much like you have trouble defining rural because was it based on contact hour enrollment, the size of the community, the state appropriation, you know, what were the variables? And so at some point, the state, uh, a number of years ago, changed a long-standing, decades-long model to create three funding sources. One, the primary one was based on enrollment, but a second one was a flat, started out as a million dollar per biennium uh, base funding for all community colleges. Well, for some very small rural colleges with small state appropriations, that amounted to like 30% of their state appropriation, whereas for Dallas, that was nothing. It was a drop in the bucket. But that became a stabilizing policy force that helped rural community colleges have a stable uh, revenue source that did not compete directly with the bigs on enrollment. And then the third funding source was to do performance-based funding, which amounted to about 10% of the total appropriation. And so colleges who did not have, and they were competing against themselves on a three-year rolling basis, not against all the other colleges in the state. So what happened was colleges who could not produce that enrollment increase because of a stable base funding and performance-based funding were actually able to make up some of that revenue. It's an example of where state policy can actually promote 
the health of community colleges. So I would offer both of those suggestions that you look at how community colleges can impact community development above and beyond economic development, and two, what are some major policy changes that have impacted rural community colleges in this nation that could become a model for other states? Thank you. Good morning. My name is Tina Roya. I'm a trustee at Davidson County Community College in North Carolina. So this is a very great topic for us and it is a much need. My question is simple. We have about, our, our rates are, we have about 12,000 students of a population of maybe 160,000 residents in our county. The question I have is, what do we need to do to prepare for 2021? Because I know it is a need for our county in our state of North Carolina. So I know there's some things that's in play. What do we need to do to start preparing for 2021? Because it is a great need in North Carolina. Um, are you talking about the projects? Yes. Or, okay, so uh, she's here, she's back there. Uh, so for the five target states, your state association executive, so that's Julie, Larry, MJ, Jacob, Oh, you're back there. Um, we're we're going to be working with all the state five, uh, five uh, four state associations, and we're working with the president's office in Kentucky. Um, we'll be doing convenings at your trustee slash your president's meeting. Um, we'll be doing some additional uh, town hall events. We'll have another t uh, event like this where we'll actually give you some of this information in Chicago uh, as a precursor to the final release of the report. Um, Again, I think this is the, this is one that's very very important to me is um, if you're not in the five, we still need your input, and you know whether or not you're from Wyoming or Nebraska or elsewhere, Dr. Perkins, um, we need to we need you to provide us feedback, and that can be through multiple forms um, besides this current event today. Um, but yes, North Carolina will have a whole litany of things for you scheduled. Um, and we want to ensure that we get feedback from, like in your state, there's a bunch of rural institutions on the eastern side where they're in, on the ocean. There's a bunch of institutions that are near Asheville along the, the, uh, in the Appalachian Mountains uh, in the center. So we're going to try to reach as many of uh, these institutions as possible. Dr. Perkins. I'm Tom Perkins from Nebraska, and uh, quite frankly, this is a dream that's come true. For 10 years, whenever I could buttonhole somebody from Gates Foundation or from Lumina, I always would say, why in the world are you not paying attention to community colleges in rural America? We have essentially done a lot of research on large colleges throughout the nation, but the rural community colleges, as you all are aware, are desperately in need of a good research project that will help us to move forward. So I have a couple ideas for you. First idea, we serve 14 counties in western Nebraska. 
That's 17,000 square miles. There are 90,000 people in our area that we serve. Many of those people lack internet capability. We desperately need that. There is a state college in our area. And one of the things that we have not talked about is why not make a partnership between a rural community college and a state college that is losing enrollment as well. We recently developed an MOU with Shadron State College so that there will be easy transfer between the both colleges and that our professors and their professors can also teach in each other's area. I think that's pretty important. The other thing that you might want to put into your definition is what I have taught in my social work classes. That's called place-bound. People are place-bound in rural Nebraska because if they leave, they will be leaving family, they will be leaving jobs without any idea as to whether or not they will have a job someplace else. They will be leaving their culture. So consider place-bound as a part of the definition for rural America. Western Nebraska Community College is prepared to work with you in any way we can. This has been a very important issue for us. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Hello, I'm Tanya Evans. I'm board chair for Piedmont Community College in North Carolina. Um, and I'd like to touch a little bit on the partnerships that we are starting to talk about. Um, my day job, I work for a large electric utility and um, I end up wearing two hats sometimes representing the Utilities Foundation and then my role as board chair. But what I have found in my day job is that I, I work in a lot of different counties. I live in the one that I'm serving from my board chairmanship, but across the state, we get competing requests for different types of funding for the community colleges. And so I would encourage the opportunity to find partnerships with large corporations to, to prevent the, um, the replication of, um, of programming um, across, you know, one community college is gonna do a Lyman's training program. Another one is going to do a Lyman's training program and they're not all going to be created equal. And so rather than trying to do a bunch of little ones, why not work together on not just a state level but a national level to find national partners to do um, more standardized curriculum so that we're not competing against each other for funding like that. And just kind of think in that sort of broader mindset. So the, the Gates Foundation is one, one type of partnership, but I would encourage you to consider ways to support each other with partnerships with large corporations who have a need as well. Okay. Thank you for that suggestion.
Hi there. Hello, my name is Cheryl Sparks, and I serve in the role of president of Howard College in Big Spring, Texas. And much like many of you in the room, we have a rural serving area and the 13 counties and all of those kinds of things. Um, I was intrigued by the way that you asked the question uh, about equity. What, what do they need to participate? And so to give a little bit of background, Howard College was part of the Rural Community College Initiative, which was the Ford Foundation and RCCA. And so um, one of the things that they had us do as a college was to look at a timeline of the creation of the college in your community and to see how that aligned with what was happening, not only in your state, but the nation, the world. And it was fascinating to see how aligned that the community college was with the development of the area. And so I would say, to kind of go back to, it's almost like we need to determine that rural colleges have value, and I think everybody in the room agrees with that, but there is value. If we think rural is important to our states and our nation, then we have to think about the value. The other thing, we have to, we just have to face the fact, it is money. And I would say that part of that is like equipment. Um, it is very difficult to have some of the CTE programs that you need in rural areas because of the equipment that's needed. And those are high cost. But in order to have those programs, you've got to have that money. And so again, it always gets down to money. And then I think finally, so many programs require numbers. They want large numbers. We have to get to a point that we're okay with small numbers, and that still has outcome. So those are things that I would like to add. Okay. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you for that. Hello, my name is Colleen Smith, president at Coconino Community College in Flagstaff, Arizona, and uh, came there from Texas, and so I have some colleagues uh, in the room, and, and speaking um, some really great ideas that did evolve uh, from Texas, and that a lot of the larger community colleges in Texas, I felt like really helped look out for the smaller rural colleges. Uh, in the overall decision making. I got to Arizona in uh, 2016, and right about that time an article came out in the Chronicle for Higher Education saying that Arizona had the highest cuts to higher education in the entire nation. And about a year later, they came out with another article that said, you know, as, as economies were rebounding, some, most of the states had started returning some funding to higher education, uh, except for Arizona. And uh, so one of the things that uh, was part of, of my learning experience from being in Arizona was the idea that we have no state organization like Texas did, which was I felt so helpful to all the community colleges. And that all got cut as part of the budget cuts. And um, so the, the community college presidents in the state, there are 10 of us, still try and meet together, but it's very different than when you have a state organization that's helping uh, bring people together with the lobbying and those kind of things. My small college serves the second largest county in the United States. 12% of our county is, is public. The rest of it is either uh, federal lands, the Grand Canyon, uh, the Navajo Nation. Uh, we have five different 
uh, Indian tribes in our area. So when you say you would be willing to help states, I, I don't know how, how you chose which states you would include in your, your, um, your study, but uh, in Arizona, we would love if you help us as far as working with our legislature and some of the different kind of things that we are trying to do. My whole first year, um, people would say constantly in meetings, well, nobody's ever going to take us seriously until one of the community colleges shuts its doors, and then everybody would turn and look at me uh, like they knew we would be the one because we are the most underfunded. Well, we haven't shut our doors. We have grit and determination, and we appreciate, would appreciate your help, and uh, thank you for what you're doing. This is very important. Yes, and I, I, under, I, I know the plight of Arizona and some of the funding problems for some uh, uh, ironically for the urban institutions in Arizona. <laughs> uh, they've been completely cut off on the state uh, appropriations process. Um, you know, our association, just you know, for those of you who are, have questions about the process um, and the five states, some of this work that we've had to do is, number one, uh, the foundation told us, you know, they're only gonna give this, this amount of money. And so part of this work is we, you know, we, they've, gave us, they've given us some resources for travel. Uh, they've given us some resources to cover the cost of events. Um, the way we've kind of done this is some of our state association partners, the Iowa Trustees Association, the California Community College League, Texas Association of Community Colleges, the North Carolina Trustees Association, they have significant rural institutions they also have, uh, they also have um, partners of our organization that have been working in this area. And so um, I wouldn't say they had a leg up, but it is something that was part of the conversation. Gates had a couple of the states that they wanted us to target. Um, we had a couple conversations uh, about like politically some of the states that we should target. Kentucky has the majority leader of the Senate. North Carolina prospectively may have the next chairman of the Health Education and Labor Committee. So these are some of the decisions that were part of the conversation for us. That being said, yes, you should be lobbying together as a community. Um, it is important. Um, it's very difficult when you have, and this is all, this is just broadly advocacy in general. It is very difficult to lobby your state legislature and your federal colleagues if your, your, messages, your messages are not intertwined. Um, you know, you can't be advocating for a bill and then you have your next door community college oppose that bill. Um, or broadly speaking, it, the, the, a more cohesive message usually goes a very long way for congressional staffers, legislative staffers, and the members. Um, we have a couple minutes left. If there are any additional questions, concerns, Stephanie, you have a? Hello, I'm Stephanie Hicks. I'm the president of Northwest College in Wyoming. Something that hasn't been brought up today is in addition to rural culture is the idea of community capacity and community agency. In sociology, it's called anomie which is the self-esteem of a, a region. 
And a lot of times, as everybody in the room knows, um, college isn't necessarily within the self-esteem of a rural area that, that's possible for them, even if there are financial resources. So that's something to add to the conversation. Thank you. Okay, that's helpful. Any more questions, concerns? Okay, um, just one last thing. Our email address is here. Um, our, our, our contact information is on our staff website of ACCT. Please reach out to us if there are additional things that you need from all of us. We want to start this conversation and we're here to listen. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. For more information, visit rural.acct.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.